Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group. The best run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so excited to debut this brand new series called Game Changing HR Leaders Radio presented by SAP and ASUG, as you heard on the roll in brand new series, 13 weeks packed with information for HR leaders. You know your company has someone who's in the leadership seat at HR. They need to hear this. So spread the word. We have listeners all over the world and we can't wait to bring you great information. So today we're going to start with an interesting topic to launch the new series survey says come on you've all heard a tv show talking about surveys or radio or seen it in a movie we're going to talk about a survey and the topic is of course hr and we're going to focus on software so the buzz today what is the buzz follow the leader. Let's talk about a quote from the late Sam Rayburn. Those of you globally who may not recognize the name, he was a Democratic lawmaker in the U.S. from Texas, and guess what? He served as Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives for 17 years, the longest tenure in U.S. history. He knew how to get the job done. Here's the quote. You cannot be a leader and ask other people to follow you unless you know how to follow too. That's a pack statement from Sam Rayburn. So let's focus on HR leaders. How do HR leaders know whom to follow, especially when choosing technology? What do they want from their technology? They want to and they, more importantly, need to contribute strategic value to their organization. So many choices today, cloud, on-premise, hybrid. Do you do it in-house? you do it through a software? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about ASUG's HR research survey findings. They may or may not surprise you, and we'll see who are the leaders that your organization wants to follow. I could go on and on, but it's time to introduce our panelists. So first up, we're very pleased to welcome on this debut episode, Erin Spencer, a research consultant for Sierra Cedar. And she has sent me a quote from the movie A League of Their Own, which was a 1992 American comedy drama. Oh my goodness, all the young men were out in World War II and the women said, let's start our own baseball league. And I'll leave it at that. Here's the quote. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. Erin Spencer, welcome to the debut episode. How are you today, Erin? Just fine, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me on. We are delighted, and we have to do a shout-out to... Stacy Harris at Sierra Cedar, who was a previous guest on one of our other Game Changers radio shows, and she brought you to us. So, Erin, talk to me. HR, technology, leadership, game-changing, and here we have a quote from a 1992 movie. How do you put these two together? Talk to me. I think that the important thing to note about, you know, hard and great is that, you know, the easy stuff following, you know, you can follow anybody, but you really want to follow the leaders. You really want to step out. You want to think about what people are doing that makes their better, makes their companies better. You read the book Good to Great and see what great companies are doing. And sometimes it's not the easy thing. It's not the simple thing. It's not, oh, we'll just do this and everything will automatically be wonderful. Not only do you have to think about what you're doing, you've got to use your technologies and you've got to give it to the people 
that actually make decisions. So it's not easy, but when you actually put everything together, that's what makes your organization great. That's what makes the things you do great. And obviously, you know, easy doesn't give us good information. Easy doesn't make good companies. Easy doesn't make anybody any money. You really have to put some effort into it, and that's what makes things great. I love it. I love it. And you know what? You're, I think you're talking much more than our topic today, which is HR leaders in picking technology and which leaders do you follow or not. I think you're talking, as you said, a very broad brush mantra for companies and for work and for people contributing to a greater good or a common goal, a common strategy, a common cause. Erin, do you think we can expand this and just apply it to any company, not just that HR portion of it? Absolutely. I think that when you start to think about what really makes a difference in an organization, we'll talk a little bit about this later when we start talking about quantified organizations, which is part of our research. When you start to look at what makes an organization great or better than other organizations, you know, it's not always the, the simple stuff, but sometimes it's mm-hmm. it, it, or not always the easy stuff, but it could be the simple stuff that makes a little bit of a difference and it bumps you up over the competition, but it's not... It's not always, oh, we'll do this one thing, it'll make us so much better than everybody else. You really have to get people behind what you're doing, which is why when you talk about user experience and adoption, which is part of what Marcy or Cedar Research looks at, you know, when you Mm -hmm. have people that are actually doing it and using it and liking it, that's what makes your technology better. But with the whole organization, obviously, if you relate this to business, if people aren't adopting your product, you aren't making any money because no one in your market cares about it. So, you know, you really have to be a standout, stand out among, amongst your other competitors and really provide better options. You really have to be great to be better in today's marketplace. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And, and can we say that HR is not as easy as it may once have been? And we're talking specifically today about technology, following the leaders in technology, or, or where are the best places to go for the tech you need? Erin, uh, can we say that, that, that HR, it's definitely a challenging profession today? Absolutely, and there are lots of pieces to it. It's not just looking at a few resumes and deciding who should fit in one spot and giving people a job. You've got you've got laws, you've got legal stuff, you've got benefits, you've got you know compliance, especially in the U.S. You've got healthcare, you've got you know financial stuff, you've got four hundred one ks, and along with that, technology and learning. And HR is a lot more complicated, you know, than just having one person who manages employee records. You know, a file cabinet really just doesn't cut it anymore. Thank you. A file cut, file cabinet doesn't cut it anyway. I love that. We'll have to tell that to all the HR professionals listening. <laughs> you heard it from Aaron Spencer at Sierra Cedar. And let's move on to our second panelist. Thank you, Aaron. I'm well, pleased to welcome Amy Grubb. You can look her up at Amy G-R-U-B-B. She's the CEO and principal consultant at Cloud Consulting Partners. And Amy has sent me a very interesting quote from Andrew Carnegie. If you're too young out there, to know who he was and remember he was a Scottish-American industrialist who built a leadership role as a philanthropist for America and the British Empire and he led the enormous expansion of the American steel industry in the late 19th century. Talk about challenges and here's the quote Andrew Carnegie said, the older I get, the less I listen to what people say and the more I look at what they do. Love this quote. Amy Grubb, welcome. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. I'm fine. Thanks for having me today. Delighted that you could join us. So talk to me. How did you come to put Andrew Carnegie together? We wouldn't even know what Internet Radio is, first of all. Second of all, on a show about (laughs) HR leaders, uh, leave the cookie crumbs for me. How do we connect him to this topic? Right. Well, I went way, way back for this this quote. 
Um, you know, I personally have always believed this myself, um, that actions speak louder than words. And from an HR perspective, I think companies have been saying forever that they value their people and that their, their people are their largest asset. But they haven't really put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, in investing in technologies that will um, help them develop their people. So when I hear this from companies, I really don't put a lot of credence in the words that they're saying. I really look and see what technologies are they investing in from an HR perspective um, that will enable them to manage their people more efficiently, will give their employees great tools to help them develop themselves and really provide um, you know, a valuable contribution back to the company. Thank you, Amy. Very, very interesting. Um... When it comes to software, how would Andrew Carnegie have looked at what people were doing? Would he have just opened that quiet little secret window into somebody's company, into their IT department, and said, oh, that's what HR is running. Oh, they're going to the cloud. Oh, they're using this kind of software versus that kind of software. How would he have done that? You know, I think there are so many great avenues and um, forums out there today for people to share what they're doing uh, around HR and around technology, you know, from as simple as getting involved in groups on LinkedIn to, um, you know, depending on the software that you have in place, getting involved in a, an organization like ASUG, where you get actually get connected to other customers who are doing the same things that you're doing and learning from each other. Um, I think today's world would just blow Andrew Carnegie's mind. <laughs> well, you just blew my mind. That was a, a great <laughs> statement. I appreciate it. And listen, he was a game changer. He changed Absolutely. the American steel industry. So I think he would be very excited to know that he was here as part of this. Thank you, Amy, for this wonderful quote and for the explanation. And let's bring on the person who's responsible for working with me to put this show together. She is Sherry Ann Meyer. And Sherry has been on several of our Coffee Break with Game Changers shows. She just put together a three-part topic for me on HR a couple of months ago. And we were, I hate the word noodling, but we noodled. We put our heads together and said, you know, this is really... A lot of good stuff here, Sherry Ann, and this is your expertise. I think it's time for your own series. And she didn't have to think really very long and hard about that. She said, okay, so here we are, and ASUG and Sherry Ann Meyer are sponsoring this. And Sherry Ann, I'm delighted that you're here, not only that you're here on the first show of this first episode, but you have sent me a quote from one of your favorite movies because when I first met you on Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio about three years ago, I believe you also quoted The Wizard of Oz. And I think you've also quoted A League of Their Own. So you're uh, definitely a movie buff. So here we go. Here's the quote from Sherry Ann Meyer. Everybody remember Dorothy and Toto and the Scarecrow and all those good characters? Well, here we go. Dorothy Gale says, now which way do we go? The Scarecrow says, pardon me, this way is a very nice way. Dorothy responds, who said that? Don't be silly, Toto. Scarecrows don't talk. Scarecrow comes in again. It's pleasant down that way, too. Dorothy responds, that's funny. Wasn't he pointing the other way? And the scarecrow says, of course, some people do go both ways. And that's from The Wizard of Oz, 1939. I think we're looking for Kansas again in HR. Sherry Ann Meyer, how are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having us on the show. We're delighted. And congratulations on your new series. I'm really looking forward to working with you. Just before we get into your quote, Sherry, and what's your message for our listeners around the world in terms of what they can expect to hear on the next 13 episodes? Well, what we hope to be talking about is with many of the friends that I've made over the years, 
what they're doing in their own HR environments, um, what they're seeing other customers do, and um, what they think they need to do to move forward. We see a lot in the press, and everybody writes, you got to worry about the millennials. Well, who are the millennials? And you, know, you should be doing learning. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. But I think the should be is different for every single organization. And so I thought it would be interesting to have some different flavors on the phone and talking on the radio about this topic and what they're doing based on everything they read and whether or not everything they read and everything we read really makes a difference in their organization. Thank you very much. Okay, Sherry Ann, you sent me this wonderful quote, Dorothy and the Scarecrow going back and forth with a little reference to Toto. So what does this all mean in terms of our topic today? Survey said, what kind of HR choices are, is HR making in terms of their technology investment today? What do you see? Well, I love this quote because I remember watching as a child, and it still resonates with me today, that the scarecrow didn't know. He didn't have one absolute answer. And that really appeals to me because I don't think there is one absolute answer. As I said earlier, I think that every company, every organization has their own challenges with human resources based on where they are in their journey, based on their products, based on their staffing, based on where they need to go in the future. And so um, the scarecrow kind of saying that, well, you, you could it's pleasant down that way, too, or you could try this, or some people go both ways, sort of leaves all possibilities open. And I love that idea that you can get input from lots of other people as to what they're doing, which creates this environment where you're learning and you're asking questions of yourself, but it's not absolute. It doesn't mean that there is only one direction that you can go and you have to do what the survey says. Interesting. So when it comes to following the leader, and, and one of my opening questions, Sherry Ann, and this opening segment of your series was, whom do you follow? Sam Rayburn says, to be a leader, you have to know how to follow too. But if there are so many choices, is it a committee choice? Is it one person wearing the king or queen crown of HR saying, okay, kids, this is what I decided. Let's just do it and see how it works out. That's that's a lot to figure out who to follow because there are choices. Any uh, Well, we're going to talk about what the survey says, but any overview quickly of, of the decision-making head of HR today? It's a big responsibility, isn't it? It is a big responsibility, and I actually don't think that it should be one person's decision. In our mm-hmm. survey results that we're going to talk about, you're going to hear that most people are leaning towards a combination, a collaboration between IT and HR making these decisions. And that may be so, but I think the biggest thing that those organizations that are just say they're doing that need and the biggest thing that we all need is better listening skills. I think that sometimes me included, me in particular, are all too anxious to say what's on our mind and share our own thoughts. And there's that nugget of wisdom hiding in that introverted, quiet person in the corner that probably is very, very valuable. And so I think um, decisions do need to be made by more than one person. I don't think there's one person at the top. I mean, in large organizations, I think you'll probably see the decision-making coming from the CHRO, the CFO, and the CIO. But in reality, those people just represent the decisions and the input that came from all the influencers underneath them. And so in my world, everyone has a voice and should use that voice. Thank you very much, and we've got your voice and very glad to have it. So, you know what, Sherry Ann, I'm going to circle back to Erin Spencer, our opening speaker, and we're going to go through what we do on all of our Game Changers radio shows, and our listeners around the world know what's coming next. It's called What's in Your Cup Today? What are you drinking? So, Erin Spencer, where are you calling from? What time of the day is it? And tell me something really interesting that you love to drink either now or after the show. 
All right. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, it, it, I live outside of Cleveland, Ohio, so it's just after 2.15 right now. So it's, it's afternoon time, and it is time for my tea break, specifically Mighty Leaf Tea, Green Tea Tropical with milk and sugar in the uh, mug with the uh, closing cup so that it doesn't spill all over my computer and make my IT guy very un- uh, unhappy with me. <laughs> So um, I'm very specific on tea and tea brands, and it's almost time for the tea break. Well, I'm glad it's almost time for the tea break. Uh, Let's see now. If we were doing uh, the British tea time, it would be 4 p.m. here, so we are getting close to that. Thank you very much, Erin. Amy Grubb, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking? I am calling from Southern California, and it is just after 11.15 here, so uh, not time for my tea break. What's in my cup currently is just some plain black coffee, but what I would rather have is a very spicy Bloody Mary. Um, quite a connoisseur of Bloody Marys. <laughs> I like them with uh, as spicy as I can get them with horseradish and a little jalapeno muddled in them. So that's what I'll be having later today. Well, I'm glad that you're not having it before you got on the show. <laughs> you sound lively enough to me. That's a little more interesting, but... Uh, you're already very interesting. We're glad you're here. Thank you. And Sherry Ann Meyer, what are you drinking on the day of your series debut? So I'm drinking, this is, I think this is a riot. I'm drinking unsweetened, honest tea. It's just green tea. And I paid $1.50 for this nice bottle. And it's very good. But I was chuckling to myself as I left the store saying, it's just tea. You could have put a tea bag in some hot water and poured it over ice. Uh, <laughs> but this is what we do in today's generation, right? That is absolutely right. We're looking for honesty. We're looking for authenticity. And today we're looking at how to know whom to follow in terms of the leadership in what HR teams are doing to become strategic partners to the business. Do they have to make their decisions alone when it comes to IT investments? Can they partner with IT and survive and sit down for a good cup of tea with IT? Well, wow, that may be an interesting question to ask at some point. We have a really interesting panel today. We're speaking with Aaron Spencer at Sierra Cedar. That's S-I-E-R-R-A hyphen C-E-D-A-R if you want to look them up. We're speaking with Amy Grubb, the CEO of Cloud Consulting Partners, and we're speaking with Sherry Ann Meyer, the expert for human resources, business processes, and technology. That's a long title, Sherry Ann. At America's <laughs> SAP Users Group, finally known as ASUG here to us at SAP. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Aaron Spencer and I are going to kick off the roundtable, and we'll go around and around and around. The topic today, the buzz is follow the leader, and we're talking about survey says HR technology, HR tech strategy, follow the leader, whom? A lot of questions, a lot of decisions. Let's see if we can help you make up your mind. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. So let's just go to our engineer and say, Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The world of work is changing faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly human resources can adapt and lead through accelerated, ongoing change. A corporate culture that embraces differences and innovation is among the top winning strategies for business success. 
How can human resources shape such a culture in their organizations? One that is moving forward in step with business development, acquisitions, mergers, digitally demanding employees and customers, and changing workforce dynamics. Join our experts as they share game-changing ideas and strategies for leading business success through the next millennium. Game Changing HR Leaders is presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group's Recharge HR. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game Changing HR Leaders. Presented by SAP, America's SAP Users Group's Recharge HR. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to game-changing HR leaders. We are kicking off our new series, and we're speaking today with Aaron Spencer at Sierra Cedar, Amy Grubb at Cloud Consulting Partners, and Sherry Ann Meyer at ASUG, America's SAP Users Group. Survey says, well, we've got a couple of surveys on the table. We're going to kick off the roundtable with an introduction to the Sierra Cedar survey. Boy, that's an alliteration from Aaron Spencer. And Aaron, you told me that you have an HR system survey of organizations finding out what they're doing about their tech deployment approach and who's doing what and what they're choosing, cloud, on-premise, who is doing it, how is it turning out. Tell us a little bit about the survey, whom you pooled, whom you polled, and a little bit about the outcome, and then we will invite Amy and Sherry Ann to comment as well. Go ahead. Sure. So our survey, the Sierra Cedar HR Systems Survey, is now in its 18th year. So we not only do we have all of this data, but we have cumulative data for almost 20 years of people adopting technologies, looking at deployment approaches, how systems integrate between each other, tracking metrics, tracking value. And we, we look at, uh, obviously, deployment approaches is one of the first things we ask about, whether or not you are in the cloud, or if you're licensed on-premise. And one of the things that especially is important is talking about the move to the cloud. Yes, organizations are moving to the cloud. We see that uh, SaaS HRMS adoption will be at over 50% in the next 12 months. And since that was last year's data, and we're going to be coming out with this year's official data in October, I can safely say that we, if not meeting the 20, 50% mark, are going to be almost there, 48%, 49%. So definitely SaaS is now a major player in the marketplace, and if you're looking at technologies, it's definitely something that you can't ignore. Hmm, interesting. Amy Grubb, thoughts? Uh, I can't wait for it to come out. I think it's, it's going to be really um, interesting and provide some really great data. I think it will be a super resource for other companies out there who are in the midst of trying to figure out some of that technology investment and what, looking at what other companies are doing. I think it's, you know, that's a great way to help you determine um, which direction to go. It's, again, following the leader, looking at um, some of those early adopters and, and looking at how they're spending their, um, their technology dollars how they're investing those in their people. Sherry Ann, thoughts on the survey as described by Aaron Spencer at Sierra Cedar? Well, what really makes me happy is that HR people and IT people are looking at the technology that runs their HR organizations because it is so important and hasn't received enough attention for many, many years. 
Um, I think we also, in our results, our ASUG research results, saw that more people were planning to move to the cloud. Um, but it's not absolute. It's um, probably in more cases a case of moving to a hybrid approach where not everything will be on-premise. Um, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. A lot of customers are talking about moving to the cloud, talking about doing things like employee central for core HR data, uh, talent management suites in the cloud definitely are still big, analytics very big. Um, but they're also still looking at maintaining and getting ROI out of their existing on-premise investment if they have one. So what's fascinating about the cloud strategy is that it's really filling some niches for companies that just have not been able to grow their on-premise strategy and have left their system stagnant for a number of years. And I, you know, I talked to a lot of customers who really are looking at this as a way to re-jumpstart their HR department. Uh, it's particularly valuable with um, companies that have merged or done acquisitions for them to be able to get all their HR data together by using some cloud software. So we're seeing a lot of different flavors of the implementation of cloud. Thank you, all three of you. I have a question for the panel. I'd like to level set, since this is the debut of a brand new series and the title is Game Changing HR Leaders. Let's talk for a minute. Sherry Ann, if you'll indulge me, please, we'll start with you and then we'll, we'll invite sure. Aaron and Amy to comment. Who are these leaders? How do they get to be game-changing? Let's just take the software selection off the table. What kind of background does an HR leader need today to be successful? Or is there a certain one gender versus the other as far as success profiles? Uh, are they a certain generation? Are they going to be skewing toward the older side of the, the older cohort of the demographics? Is there opportunity for newcomers, the 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 uh, millennials or whatever letter in the late in the alphabet the younger generations are who've cut their teeth on technology and really get this. Sherry Ann, who are these game-changing leaders? If you had to define the person in HR who really gets it today and is equipped to follow through on what we're talking about, about the surveys today, who is that person? Can you describe that for us? Wow, well, that's a really interesting question, and different answers come to mind based on different people I've met in different organizations that I've worked with. Um, but I do see the biggest um, opening in HR coming from what I would say is more the millennial, I hate that term, but more the millennial mm -hmm. generation. Um, they seem, uh, people in their 30s, 40s seem more willing to take on change, um, and I would say early 40s. Um, more willing to look at things with a different eye and to look at themselves and say, are we part of the problem? And in many cases, that's the case in HR. They've just been so stuck with um, certain thoughts, so stuck in their way of thinking that they need somebody that can come to the table that's credible and present these new ideas. Um, so I do think that in so many ways it's a younger generation. Um, in other companies, it, I mean, these changes are being brought up by older generational employees, perhaps in their mm -hmm. late 40s, early 50s. Uh, but in those organizations, I see that most of the, the employee population is also in that age group. And it seems like in that case, there's a lot of um, tug of war between IT and HR because all the leaders are around the same age and they want to make their own mark. Uh -huh. So it does vary from company to company. It also varies on what the business drivers are. What can they make for the business case is the big thing because everybody loves new technology. Everybody loves new and shiny things, um, but can they business justify it? 
and how much are they willing to change? Because as most of us know on this call, you can't just put in a new piece of software and voila, everything's better. It requires some really hard looks at your processes and making changes there as well. So it's somebody with some pretty thick skin. Mm. Interesting. Quick, one more question before I get Amy and Aaron on this. Follow the leader. You have to know how to follow. As far as HR leadership, how many of us ever see an HR leader, Sherry Ann, except when it comes to that hiring process or the review or the, the uh, plea for, well, my manager didn't treat me well or I see some uh, need for more diversity and inclusion in the company or I didn't think somebody talked to me fairly, you know, some harassment suit. When do people really see the HR person? Is this mostly somebody who's in, in an office somewhere that you never talk to or follow the leader? Would people like to say, wow, we have got the savviest, coolest, smartest director of HR in anybody com anybody's company I know, and I know they're doing great things for our entire company. So visibility-wise, approachability, accessibility, is their role to be the person for everybody in the company or just the C-suite person who, who fights for HR? Any thoughts on that, Sherry? I'm sorry, we didn't talk about these questions in advance. No, that's but I think, right. I mean, I think our audience all... would like to know, because you specialize in this. What do you see? Well, um, I see a lot of different things. Um, I think that a lot of companies are moving towards having a CHRO, which when I talk to many companies, they don't even know what that is. That's a generalized term that's not known well yet. But where I see companies putting that type of position in place, that says to me that that company really values HR as a strategic resource, not just as a compliance officer, not just as someone who makes sure payroll goes out the door. Because in the past, I think CEOs have placed emphasis on HR systems if they were concerned about payroll not getting out the door. That was their most important concern. And, or if they were concerned about having a big labor relations revolt. And today they're starting to realize that it's much more, there's much more strategic part that they can play. So the role of the CHRO, I think, is really critical because it, it puts that control point at the front. That puts um, somebody at the front, at the top of the organization who is setting the tone, setting the framework, really being the leader for HR to let it trickle down to the rest of the organization as to how they should interact with employees and what they should do. We're also seeing shared services pop up, shared services centers are taking some of those compliance things on. And where HR is willing to let go of that and let shared services take on those things and really own them, as opposed to the HR generalists themselves and the HR, CHRO, and vice presidents, in those cases, you have HR moving forward more strategically. So there's just so many changes going on in this marketplace right now. And I think the HR people that can really make the difference are not just those that are educated beyond the bachelor's degree into a master's degree and can talk financially, but also, more importantly, have connections. And that may mean that they've um, job hopped from company to company to learn mm -hmm. or that they've networked within things like America's SAP Users Group or within LinkedIn or other SHRM perhaps. Um, but they're definitely aware of what's going on in the larger marketplace, not just their organization. And they definitely have to be aware of how their business, whatever their company's business model is, how that stacks up against other businesses. Thank you, Sherry Ann. Aaron Spencer and Amy Grubb, I know you two are probably itching around in your chair saying, I want to add something to this. So Aaron Spencer at Sierra Cedar, you talk to HR people, you survey them. Who are they today? Do you agree with what Sherry Ann said? What's your observation of the leader in HR? Are they approachable, accessible? Are they followable? Who is that person? 
You know, I think that's a hard thing to quantify because, as we said, HR is really different for a lot of organizations. You know, is it just the people that, you know, fills the open requisitions and does the paperwork, mm-hmm. or are they really leading strategy within an organization? And one of the things that our survey talks about is, you know, do you have a system strategy? And we found that people that have a system, organizations that have an HR system strategy are more likely to be viewed by management as contributing strategic value to the organization. So one of the important things about HR is how is it viewed in an organization? Is your HR department even viewed as achieving really helping an organization become more valuable, or is it viewed as, you know, like, look, these are just, you know, the paper pushers and we have to have HR? Um, You know, and I talk to people at organizations that don't have an HR department. What do you do if you have an HR issue? Well, I go to the boss or I go to the CEO. Mm -hmm. If HR isn't valued, you know, from the people top down, it's hard to even figure out who in HR, what kind of person makes that valuable. And, you know, it's interesting we talk about the systems. You know, one of the things that the – our predecessor, Lexi Martin, who ran the survey for years, was always interested in proving was the value in HR systems. Look, if people, she wanted to always, you know, point out people that have XYZ system in their organization, it brings value to them because of this. And I would think that the, the next generation coming up is just going to automatically expect those systems. You know, look, people that are applying for jobs now don't send out resumes and put them in an envelope on pretty paper and mm-hmm. hope that the HR person gets it. They, A, certainly do everything electronically now, but they, they make connections. They go on LinkedIn. They research organizations. They're trying to figure out if this is going to be a good fit for me or if this is, you know, I don't know if you look for a new job lately, but if you look for a new job and you look at a company's website and you see their values and you go, this doesn't align with what I'm looking for, you don't even bother applying. So I think part of the the interesting thing about getting a good HR person or what makes a good HR person is you almost have to have a good company in place first because it's hard to turn around a good a bad company with one, you know, spectacular HR person because all they're going to do is get beat down all the time. I want to put in an LMS, so why would we need to train our people? What's you know, what's the purpose of the system? If you if you have the the game changers in the position that the company's not ready for them, it won't make a difference. So I think it's a combination of, yeah, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, you're making some really great points. And early in the show, you said something about HR needs more than just a filing cabinet. And what just occurred to me as you're talking is that an HRIS system can also become just another fancy filing cabinet. So it really is about the people and the connections they can make externally and, more importantly, internally. Yeah, I think that that really makes a huge difference. And, and you know something, Erin, to your point, this is Bonnie, you mentioned that if you take a great HR leader, you put them in a company that doesn't align with their values, and that gets to the point of, if you're an HR professional looking for a job, you're looking for a company that aligns with your values. So the current HR leadership of companies has to stand for something and translate that so that when you are looking for a new organization, you're attracted to it because you align with it. I know I'm talking in circles here, but I think you get the point that it's all about HR putting forth part of those those values out to the market to attract the best of the best for the next generation or the next level of leadership. Amy Grubb, we have to get you in this conversation. What are your <laughs> thoughts? Who Who are the leaders? We can't let you be quiet out there. Who are the leaders? What do you observe in HR, the game-changing leaders from a technology standpoint, from a more than a filing cabinet standpoint, how smart do they need to be today? Right. Thanks, Bonnie. Well, I think um, Sherry-Ann and um, 
Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. Aaron, sorry. Brain, brain freeze there. They made some excellent points, and I, I can totally... Uh, I've, I've experienced all of those um, points in my personal experience. I think um, it, you can't just um, look at uh, one profile of an HR leader. I think it depends on the industry a lot of times that someone is working in um, and how much that industry values and fosters innovation um, just in the business that they're in. I do a lot of work with, you know, high-tech um, companies, and I find that they tend to be um, ahead of the pack, definitely leaders in terms of um, their HR function being more viewed as more strategic. And um, the, I think also it's not just the, the head of HR, the CHRO, or, you know, that VP of HR. I think it has a tremendous amount to do with the CEO and what that person, how that person views HR as a function and the value that it can bring because, you know, culture is, is driven from the top down. So to Aaron's point, you know, if, if you have a fabulous person that's in a company with a culture that doesn't value what they do, they're just, they're not going to be successful um, no matter how innovative or how um, cutting edge or, you know, on the, the front of leading their industry they are. Uh, it's just going to be a constant battle. So I think that a lot of it is, um, I, and I see a lot of a lot of innovators, you know, that are that have been around for you know twenty and thirty years in the workforce, uh, who just understand they value technology in their own personal lives, and they understand mm-hmm. how technology can can improve and increase the value of HR in their corporate world as well. So um, you know, I don't know that there's any one um, profile. I, I see those people across um, in pockets across industries that I work with, um, and you know some of them are just in, in environments that help them flourish, and others have a really tough go of it. Thank you very much. And while you're speaking, I'm looking back at A League of Their Own, the quote that Aaron Spencer started off the whole conversation with. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. That's what makes it great. And thinking, how hard do you have to push to be a great HR leader? Sherry Ann, we've had some interesting thoughts added to the conversation that you started with me a few minutes ago on the profile of successful HR leaders. Anything you want to say to Aaron or Amy on their their thoughts? No, I mean, I think we're all in violent agreement here. It's really very interesting. And um, the idea that it starts with the CEO resonates, of course. It is top-down. And what was occurring to me as Amy was saying that was that, well, if the CEO doesn't buy an HR, you're not going to have a CHRO. And if you don't have the CHRO, you don't have that person at the head that's, you know, driving the culture um, down through HR so it can be propagated throughout the rest of the organization. So I think we should really have some CEOs on the show. Ah, well, it's your survey. It's your it's your survey. It's yeah. your show. So bring them on. I say bring them on. I, I'm going to get back a little bit to our, our main topic of, of the surveys in terms of HR needing leadership to follow for their technology investments, how that technology can help HR become a bona fide seat at the table. And I want to talk about Amy Grubb. I have a great quote from you in your, your notes you sent me before the show. You say, cloud technologies enable HR to get that seat at the table rather than being the redheaded stepchild of technology mm-hmm. investment. Are we talking about SNL with the red, the freckled redheaded kids? Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> what was their name? I'm a redhead and I'm nobody's stepchild, honey. So I want to know who are these redheaded? What was it? The Sparkle family. Sparkle Farkle, right? That's right. I, no, no offense to redheads. I, I have Thank many you, redheads in my family and uh, <laughs> I've been told that I am one. So 
Um, <laughs> you know, I just I think that um, HR for for decades has just they've always come they've gotten the the leftovers. You know, when it comes from technology investment, I've I've had many conversations over the years with business folks in HR saying, well. You know, we, we really want to do these things, but, you know, it really depends on if we get budget for it, and there's never IT resources that seems to allocate to our projects. And they're just, they've, it's this history of being used to getting very little if not, or nothing at all and just trying to make do. And I think that with the advent of, of cloud technologies, the, the faster, you know, implementation time, the, the speed to innovation, just having, you know, latest and greatest um, features and functionalities at your fingertips always increasing and, and improving throughout the year. That really um, that takes the burden off of a, a company's IT department, and it's not something that they have to support, but it enables HR to really introduce some innovative and some more effective processes into their environment, and it really helps the C-suite understand that, hey, you know what, we can actually... Um, HR can really make an impact to the bottom line. It's not that soft and fluffy stuff that we've that everybody's always thought it was. Um, so again, it, you know, it takes um, a C-suite that is willing to go there and willing to kind of mm-hmm. dip their toe in the water, but it is possible. Okay, Sherry Ann, you want to comment on this? Yeah, well, I have a thought in my head right now that. Um, you know, I agree with what Amy said. Obviously, it's, it's very true. But you know, suppose you're the CEO of an organization that really needs to downsize, and there are those organizations. Um, what, what, Aaron and Amy, what do you think? Is having a CHRO and looking at investments in technology or investments in grooming HR to better manage people is that still important? And how and why should it be used? Well, that's a great question, Sherry, and this is Amy. You know, I think that um, again, it takes somebody to look at the situation with a different through a different lens. But if you're looking at if you are in that type of situation where, and I think most companies today are running extremely lean, um, that's been my experience anyway. Um, how are, how do you know who you can afford to get rid of um, if you don't understand the talent that you have in house? Investing in making a you know an investment in a technology that will enable you to really um, get some meaningful feedback and performance reviews, understand who your key players are, you know, identifying those key positions, understanding your, your high potentials and tracking that and developing the people, um, you know, who are, who need to be successors. If you don't have a system that will enable you to do that and some, some really good processes, I don't know how you make those tough decisions. Um, it's just like, you know, you're shooting into the wind. Mm. Yeah, good point. Aaron, what do you think? It's not that I disagree with that, but I also, you know, I've been through companies that have had layoffs, and I think that sometimes the uh, the people that were making those decisions, you know, actually look at functions rather than um, people and go, look, we thought this particular aspect of the business was really important, and now we're not going to focus on it anymore. So it doesn't really matter who you have in place for those role sometimes if that function is no longer necessary. Now, obviously, you know, if you knew who your high potentials were and you really wanted to keep them with your organization, you could funnel them to other pieces of the business. But then you also have to remember the human element of human resources. And I know organizations that, you know, 
obviously, if you have to call numbers, uh, that's that's always hard for everyone in the organization because mm-hmm. not only do you have the, oh, my gosh, am I going to be next, but you have your other, you know, maybe if they're not high potentials or identified as top players, maybe they're key people in an organization looking around and going, gosh, all, everybody's, you know, fleeing the sinking ship, so to speak, and, you know, and if I'm not identified as one of those top, top people who's going to be told I have a job no matter what, you know, the, the atmosphere makes it such that I'm going to, you know, look around before something actually happens to me. So, you know, I, I think sometimes with technology it's, it's easy to forget the human impact as well. So I think that's an important thing to balance with everything that we're talking about. Great comments, Absolutely. Alana. I, totally, I want to I, totally I want to bring one yeah. little comment from Sherry Ann's ASUG survey talking about the history of HCM and HR technology. Sherry Ann, a, a comment in the ASUG survey said we ne- we went from considering workers as assets, almost possessions, to workers as an investment, and I think hence that's where the industry came up with the concept of human capital management. So human capital, it's it's people. Am I right, Sherry Ann? That's correct, and I think that was a great statement in the survey. Actually, Chris wrote that part of it, and, mm-hmm. you know, resources imply something that's expendable, whereas capital can grow, and you want your human resources capabilities to grow. You want – everyone says, every single company out there says people are our most valuable asset, mm-hmm. but how many companies are really acting that way is the question, and I think it's important not to lose sight of that. Exactly. And ladies, I have to do a quick trivia reference. I was wrong. The Farkle family was not on SNL. They started on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. There is a oh, website wow. on TCM called <laughs> Frantic for Farkle Family Facts. I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, I think it was uh, Dick Martin was furred, the next door neighbor, and the running joke was, hey, that's a fine looking family you got there, Frank. When all of the kids were redheads and the Farkles <laughs> were dark haired and even Ruth Buzzy was flicker Farkle and I got to keep my words straight or I'll get in a lot of trouble who wore a polka dot (laughs) dress and she'd show off her petticoats and say hi and that's enough trivia so it was Rowan and Martin's laughing and not SNL Sherry Ann might remember this I think the other two ladies are way too young for that so look it up Sherry Ann we've got let's see about five minutes before we move into our crystal ball predictions round so I want to cover let's see what else would you like to cover since this is your series and you kicked this off with the idea of the survey any Key factoids you'd like to share with us, Sherry Ann, about HR technology investments. What did you find? Well, I think there's a couple of things in our survey that we asked about, and I think we're a little revealing. One was about contingent labor management. There was no consensus among people we surveyed, and I'll be interested to see how Sierra Cedar's um, results come out later mm-hmm. in the next couple of months. Um, it's still split between managing it by HR, managing it by purchasing, and I think the scale sort of tilted it to it being managed as a purchased asset. And, you know, as more and more companies look to act, um, supplement their labor force with occasional workers through contingent labor, you've got to manage those people. I mean, it could be a free-for-all. You could have way more people on site than you ever need. And I've managed an outsourced team, so I can tell you that, you know, that team needs to be motivated as much as your own employees. So how is that happening if it's only managed as a purchased resource? Um, I think that's something that we're going to see um, growing in popularity over the next several years. And I'm already getting into my predictions. Um, you are. That's right. The things that aren't surprising are the barriers to adoption. Everyone says they don't have the money. Um, they don't have the resources. And I think one thing that I think people need to understand in this cloud market is you don't need all the IT resources internally. In fact, 
it's probably better if you work with a partner, uh, and Amy can speak to this, but you need a partner to implement these services. So don't look at it as we don't have the IT internal resources. Look at it as who's the best partner out there who can help me and my company make this giant leap. And that will be a partner who's not only going to just implement the software, but also help you look at your processes and change them as you go forward. So um, that was one thing I would like to talk to to other customers about more, like don't think you don't have the resources. It's really about Mm -hmm. creating the business case and finding the right partner to work for. Amy, you want to comment on that? I would love to comment on that. Um, I I wholeheartedly agree with Sherri Ann there. You know, I think that um, truly look at it as a partnership um, that's going to be long-term. So invest in someone who um, can get to know your your culture, your business processes, what your, um, your HR technology roadmap is, and can help you achieve that. But it can also bring to the table additional experiences that they're having with other of their customers. Um, I get asked a lot when I'm implementing solutions with customers, you know, what are, other, what are your other clients doing? How are they handling these issues? And that's one of the really valuable things that a partner can bring to the table. Also, just, you know, it's their job to keep up with the innovations and the changes, especially, you know, when we're talking about cloud technologies because it's ever-changing. Those are, that's very daunting for someone within a company to keep up with. So, you know, definitely find someone who can help you um, meet your goal and can truly partner with you um, in, on a long-term basis. And that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, pay them every month. You know, it can be that you come back to them again and again as you, as you have additional needs or questions uh, or more new initiatives. But find somebody who can be in there with you for the long haul. Very good advice. Sherry Ann, I'm going to move into the crystal ball, but Sherry Ann, I'm going to make a suggestion to you, contingent workforce. You said such interesting things. I think we can build a whole episode topic around that. What do you think? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It, it I think you just, you just created your half of your editorial calendar for the next three months on today's show <laughs> because we, we covered a lot of territory. And forgive me for changing the focus, but I thought it'd be great if we did some level setting on who are these game-changing HR leaders. So thank you to everyone for indulging my redirection. Let's go to Crystal Ball. We have, let's see, I'll give you each 90 seconds for prediction. So Aaron Spencer at Sierra Cedar. Why don't you take a look in the crystal ball? I know you have the survey coming out soon. You don't have to divulge anything you don't want to. But look into the future. I love the year 2020. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. What would be different about this conversation? And we can keep it broad in terms of what will HR game-changing leaders look like, sound like, what will their background be, or, and, or you could look at technology investments. Will cloud be not just 50% of the choice? Will it be 1,000% will be moved already to the cloud? So whatever you see, tell me the point in time in the future and what will change. Aaron Spencer, 90 seconds, go. I see probably about five to ten years in the future a continuation of the conversation that we were having about whether or not your your organization does things or it's outsourced. I think that especially as organizations move to the cloud and then the IT resources kind of shift a bit, what we're going to see is a lot of outsourcing and a lot of organizations that really just take over, look, we'll do your maintenance, we'll do all of your extra stuff. I think that um, that, that third-party area is going to be very important to organizations who just don't have either the internal resources or the, the interest in making sure that technology is up-to-date and meeting needs. But along with that, I think you're also going to see a group of people coming into the marketplace that have expectations of technology, the social, of mobile, of user experience that 
are very, very high expectations. You know, when you go on Amazon, you expect to be able to find the thing, to order the thing, to have it delivered, and no problems. You've got a, a group of people that was gener- raised with that generational mindset that technology is there to serve you and it should work out very well. And I think that what we're going to see in applications and in um, the, the technology as a whole is I think we're going to see it really serving people and people expecting that level of service. And I think that we're going to lose the conversation from, you know, should we have this product to, of course we should have this product, and this is what we should do with it, and this is how we should use it in the organization, just because the expectation that you wouldn't have that won't occur to the people that are coming up within organizations. Thank you very much. Very well put. Appreciate that, Amy Grubb. I can give you 90 seconds for your predictions. Go ahead. Okay, well, let's see. I've never made predictions like this before, but uh, I can tell you what I what I hope um, will be the future, which is that more and more companies will will follow the leader of those who are making um, strategic investment in HR technology and really, you know, bringing innovation um, and increasing efficiency of those processes. Because I agree with Aaron that we have a whole generation of workers that are currently in the workforce and who expect technology to be, it's just a given. Um, and they are, I'm seeing them make great demands on the companies that they work for in that regard. Uh, I can't even imagine when, you know, the kids who have never known life without an iPhones um, mm-hmm. come into the workforce, what they're going to demand in terms of technology. So I don't think that it's something that companies can afford to ignore uh, I think Aaron's prediction about the outsourcing is very interesting. I, you know, hope I hope I don't see that, but it's very interesting to consider. Um, and, and likely, you know, there will be companies who don't necessarily view um, HR as a as a a function that's valued, um, and they certainly would, you know, I'm sure it would outsource that. But you know, I do think that um, the the generations of workers that are coming into the workforce will just demand that companies stay at the forefront of technology um, because it's just everything that they've never known anything different. Thank you very much, Sherry Ann. I saved 90 seconds for your predictions. It's your show. What do you even predict what's coming up next week on Game Changing HR Leaders? It's all (laughs) yours. Go ahead. Sherry Ann, talk to me. Well, I think 20, 20 years from now, five years from now, we're going to see a definite split between human resources functions. I think one will be the actual capital manager who manages the investment in the employees, and another would be the resource manager. And that would be someone who's managing, that could be an outsourced firm, it could be a third party, uh, it could be contingent labor. It would basically be what the shared services organizations are that they're trying to set up today. But I think that in order for this model to be successful, they really need to be separate and distinct. They can't be managed by HR. They have to be someone who is knowledgeable on the compliance issues, knowledgeable on benefits, knowledgeable on retirement, and all those kind of technical and tactical things that go into human resources. And and HR proper, the CHRO, needs to just let that organization run with it and implement the rules and the policies. And then what I see as true HR and managing the capital are those people who, what is HR really? What is a human resources specialist? What skills do they bring to the table and what value do they bring? And to me, that's all about making the connections that all of us talked about before uh, and knowing the employees and knowing the spots that need to be filled and being able to have a succession plan and being able to be a real advisor and a counselor to the business. So I see a human capital manager being that and being stepping out of the technology, stepping out of 
the day-to-day policy and decision-making from that perspective. Thank you very much, Sherry Ann. And you want to tell us quickly in one sentence what's coming up next week on Game Changing HR Leaders? You want to let us be surprised. Well, next week we're going to have, in the next two weeks, we're going to have Tom Kalopoulos on the, the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to continue Delphi. this discussion about um, innovation in HR. Um, the surveys are the basis of what is everyone doing or thinking about doing. But then how do you really get there? Um, that's my thought process. Like, you have these great plans. You have a roadmap. Are you really letting your culture and your organization be innovative enough to manage those changes and to fly with them? How much are you willing to take on in changes? How much are you willing to let go of in order to have your company thrive? Thank you very much, Sherry Ann Meyer. Congratulations on your new series. I thought it was a great debut, and thank you to Aaron Spencer at Sierra Cedar. Shout out also to Stacey Harris and Amy Grubb at Cloud Consulting Partners. Pleasure to meet both of you. Thanks for being part of this. Sherry Ann and ASUG, thanks for sponsoring. And Justin and the Business Channel team, we've got 30 seconds left. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. I don't care if you're an HR leader or you want to be one or you want to have one that you can follow. It's time to fasten your seat belt. Whatever your role in your company, in your dreams, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. We'll talk to you soon here on Game Changers Radio. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Game Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group. The best-run businesses run SAP and run simple. Tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and Twitter handle R-E-C-H-A-R-G-E-H-R. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.